Hi, I'm Rebecca, and this is my podcast, The Second Half. Thank you to all of you that have been listening to the podcast and to anyone else that just joined us today. This podcast is about the challenges and joys we experience, especially in the second half of our lives. I hope that the stories that my guests and I share will make you feel less alone as you face your own challenges and will make us all feel more connected as a community. Today on the show, I'm talking to Dr. Lawrence Ballin about psychiatry and psychology and how these treatments provide important tools to help people with their mental health issues. Dr. Ballin is a board-certified psychiatrist, as well as a psychoanalyst and a psychopharmacologist. He has over 30 years of experience treating thousands of patients, has held a 12-year term as Chief of Psychiatry at Virginia Hospital Center, and served as President and Medical Director of the Arlington Psychiatric Group. Here we go. Hi, Dr. Valen. Thanks for joining me today. Nice to be here. I thought today we could start with um, a discussion about the difference between psychiatry and psychology uh, and why would somebody come to you instead of going to a therapist? A psychiatrist is a physician um, and psychiatrists will sometimes or oftentimes do psychotherapy. Um, A psychologist is trained in mental health, although psychology is a very broad field. Some are therapists. Mm -hmm. They are not physicians. Mm -hmm. Um, They may have a PhD, a doctorate, or something called a PsyD, P-S-Y, period, D, period. Uh, The latter focuses on the clinical aspects of care, whereas a PhD in psychology covers more of the broad field of psychology. Right. So the the field is pretty broad. It's a very broad field, uh, and I work with many therapists uh, for people that would benefit from or need medication. A therapist might refer a patient to me right. to to prescribe and to evaluate medically. However, um, it is... I rather do it all myself right. because I'm trained in the days when psychiatrists didn't have much in the way of medication, mm. and that's what we learned. We learned psychotherapy and psychoanalysis, and when I'm working with the therapist, it is workable, and, and I certainly do it often enough, but it may be hard to keep the lines of communication open, whereas if I'm doing the therapy and the medication myself, then of course the right hand always knows what the left hand is doing. Right. That makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about the medication part. I know that a lot of people um, have questions. They, uh, I know people that are suffering that are embarrassed or ashamed to ask about medication because it implies a certain um, deficiency or weakness that I think we need to um, educate people more about generally. Um, Two areas of mental health that are quite pervasive are depression and anxiety. Is that correct? Yes, I treat a lot of both of those. And what are generally the medications or the groups of medications that you use for those two areas? Mostly for both of those areas, we use the newer drugs. They're called antidepressants because 
they were initially invented for depression in the Prozac class. I guess most mm -hmm. people have heard of Prozac. These are called SSRIs, Specific Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors, or SNRIs, Specific Norepinephrine uh, reuptake inhibitors, and they have a certain action in the nervous system, and they help both depression and anxiety. Now, there were medications that existed before these that go way back probably until the 1950s, hmm. uh, and are the newer ones better? Maybe not, although it may be that the newer ones are better for some things and the older ones are better for some other things, but the older ones had quite a lot of side effects, and I spent many years um, uh, prescribing them, and, and they're much more difficult to take, although not always, right. because everybody's system is different, and you don't know what you, in particular, uh, will tolerate as compared to somebody else. Right. Let's talk specifically, what are some of the most effective or... Um most popular, for lack of a better term, uh, antidepressants that you prescribe for people suffering from anxiety, for example? Well, I would just go through the names of the serotonin reuptake inhibitors and the norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, such as Prozac, mm -hmm. Lexapro, Celexa, um, there's one called Welbutrin, mm -hmm. uh, and Paxil, and Zoloft. Those are the main ones. I may so be leaving out one or two, but it's nice to have a number of them because uh, people's systems are different. And although the medications, as far as we know what they do in the central nervous system, and they do something similar, uh, a person may be helped by one and not by another. So it's good to be able to have another one to go to if the one we're presently prescribing is not working well. How do you determine which one you start with? We determine actually because of side effects. Since uh, the actual action in the nervous system is similar, uh, for instance, we know that uh, the medication called Zoloft, mm -hmm. the, the generic name is sertraline, sometimes it has a tendency to give gastrointestinal problems. Mm -hmm. So if you're having gastrointestinal problems, I'm not going to give you that one. Okay. I would choose another. Side effects... The main, the main uh, differentiation. So you would talk to your patient about their their physical well-being. Yes, and this is something that a psychiatrist, as a physician, does. Most people that I see take medication. Not all. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, perhaps eighty percent. Some of them uh, have conditions that such that I think they must take medication mm -hmm. uh, because it's going to be so helpful. And some, it's on the borderline, and so I offer it, and we may give it or not give it. Um, the kinds of difficulties that people experience, some of them come from the way our personality is. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, if you are having trouble with uh, uh, within an intimate relationship, mm -hmm. well, this is something that we would want to um, approach psychotherapeutically because our when you're born, you have about 86 billion nerve cells in your brain. Mm -hmm. Each one of those may be connected to 10,000 other cells. What could be more complex in the universe except perhaps the universe itself? itself? Uh, so early on, these nerve cells are not connected so much. And how do they, how do these connections form? Primarily on the basis of your life experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and so 
there may be difficulties that you're having, let's say at work or with an intimate relationship, and you're just being yourself. These problems are as natural as breathing, and you may not realize the issues that could be um, at the root of some of these problems. Mm-hmm. And so as a, as a therapist psychiatrist, I want to listen and understand what those issues are, and then we want to point them out, and we want to process them in the brain. Now, sometimes those issues cause one to have physical symptoms, like anxiety. Now, anxiety disorders are characterized by nervousness or anxiety, but mostly by worry. Right. (laughs) I know that. And catastrophizing, where you imagine the worst possible things that can happen. You're not imagining the best things that can happen. And your mind automatically goes there. Mm -hmm. And it has to find something to catastrophize about. Right. Um, And so... When there are a, when a person is very symptomatic, then we might use the medication. Mm-hmm. Now, those symptoms might be substantially caused by the issues in your personality. On the other hand, issues in your personality um, uh, could cause um, um, symptoms that require medication. So they go back and forth. Now, not everybody who takes medication has therapy, and not everybody who has therapy takes medication. But in my experience, most people use both. Right. That's one of the things that I've talked about in previous episodes is that we need to be more open to the toolbox of different methods of treating mental health um, and be open to different types of therapy, different medications, anything that in combination can help you live a better life. I'd like to go back to specifically the medications, Mm -hmm. because I understand the side effects um, and the physical parts, but are they, are ones that you start with, with a generally healthy person, you say, this one is what we start with because it has the least side effects and the best benefits. Right. That is true. Which one is that? Well, uh, you know, back years ago when Prozac came out, we started with that because that's the only one we had. Yeah. It's still pretty well tolerated. Oftentimes, um, today we use a medication called Lexapro. Mm -hmm. The generic name is escitalopram because it's fairly uh, mild in terms of side effects, but it does have side effects and we have to take those into consideration. Right. What are some of the main side effects you tell people? Well, for an SSRI medication like Lexapro or Prozac, mm-hmm. one might actually initially have some more anxiety right? or insomnia. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big issue with these medications is interference with the sex life, right. either the sex drive mm-hmm. or the ability to have orgasms. Mm-hmm. And so we have to take that into consideration too. Right. I'm giving you an example. If if there's somebody that is not sexually active and they tell you they don't care about that, right. well, then we'll go ahead and we give that medication without concern. Yeah. And then I've heard that some of them have weight gain issues. Some of them do. That's true. And so if that's maybe not a concern, you could try those, I guess. That's true. And some of them are very sedating. Mm. Well, we can mm-hmm. use those for people that are having a lot of difficulty sleeping. So we prescribe them at night. Do you start with, uh, generally, do you start with low doses and then slowly go up? Or it just depends. It just, there's no rule. 
these enzymes are metabolized in your liver. And mm-hmm. they're metabolized by by um, by enzymes that you have differing amounts of, mm-hmm. and so you may find that even a smaller person has a lot of an enzyme. You may have to give them a lot of medication. Interesting. And even a big person right. uh, may have uh, um, not very much of a particular enzyme, and so you have to give them very small doses. So oftentimes we start out, we call it, we say start low and go slow. That way, if you get some adverse side effects, they're going to be mild and we can adjust to it and make make whatever changes we need to. What are some of the most common conditions or mental health issues that you see in your practice or you have um, over the years? Mostly depression and anxiety. And anxiety can comprise a number of different issues like obsessive compulsive disorder Mm -hmm. as part of anxiety. Uh, And likewise, depression appears in different forms too. Uh, We have bipolar disorder where people have extremes of mood, both deep depression, which Mm -hmm. has particular characteristics to it, and also uh, manic periods, which have different characteristics depending on on the nature of the problem. I remember reading a book years ago of this brilliant woman who um, was a writer and she talked about her bipolar disorder and how the her creativity really spiked during those manic times. Do you have people that are concerned that if they take the medications, either their creativity is tapped down or somehow their intellect? Uh, some of the medications in terms of their side effects, and this, for the most part, doesn't include the usual medicines for depression and anxiety, okay. but there are medications that we give for related disorders, say bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. where the side effects can be um, uh, much more substantial. Now, we give them all the time, but you have to be very careful. If you're taking Prozac or the Lexapro mm-hmm. I mentioned, we don't have to do any blood tests, although we do for other reasons, but we don't have to me- monitor the, the medication that mm-hmm. way. Um, so some some of them that we give, like for bipolar disorder, uh, there are some potentially very deleterious side effects. And we have to, um, that's why you, you shouldn't get these medications from anybody but a psychiatrist. That's it. Because that's we a, do this all the time. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I know uh, from experience, because I went to my general practitioner when I had um, heart palpitations from anxiety and got medications in that way. So, and uh, having researched this and talked to other people, I realized that a lot of people are getting their uh, medications for mental health from their general practitioner. And you addressed it a little bit, but what do you think about that? You know, if you go to your general practitioner and you cry, and this may not be fair, but if you do, you may walk out with a prescription for antidepressants. But the general practitioner oftentimes, he's seeing many patients every day, and he or she doesn't have time to really understand what is behind the crying. And that's what a psychiatrist therapist does. In addition to that, uh, in terms of the side effects of these medications, and particularly some of them that are 
more tricky to use that right. might have very serious deleterious side effects a psychiatrist is the one who will know most about this I'll give you an example for bipolar disorder maybe we give lithium carbonate the gold standard treatment of bipolar disorder you won't see it on tv in fact on tv you're going to see some other stuff which is not the gold standard right. lithium is a salt it's it's cheap it costs pennies but that is the gold standard, and that's what we want to use. But you have to be very careful, and you have to monitor certain organ systems right. for trouble. Now, you mentioned having gone to the um, GP, what we now call the primary care physician, right. for heart palpitations. Palpitations are a very frequent symptom of anxiety. But I would oftentimes want to send you to your, your GP to make sure there's not something else going on. Yeah. And sometimes I might be able to tell that, but there's some tests that I don't do that your GP would do. Yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, just to go to the opposite extreme, yes. in regards to anxiety disorders, there are many physical symptoms. Right. Palpitations, shortness of breath, dizziness, hot flashes, cold flashes. And I have seen people who have been from doctor to doctor right. for a year or more yeah. trying to figure this out. And finally, they arrive at my door, and they've had all the workups, so I don't need to do anything else or recommend anything else. It's anxiety disorder. And right. I think, oh, why didn't you come to me a year ago? Yeah. One more thing, Rebecca, I wanted to say about therapy is uh, we're talking about the different kinds of therapists, but so much depends on the, on the chemistry between you and the therapist. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry so much. If the person is well-trained, mm-hmm. Uh, and there's good chemistry there. If it's a social worker, therapist, or a psychiatrist, or psychologist, or something else, uh, if you feel comfortable, if you feel listened to, if you feel understood, those are the most critical factors, I think. That's a really that's a really important point. I'm glad you brought that up because so many people I find are confused about what to do when they reach a place in their life, when they're not happy, when they either have anxiety or other um, mental health issues that are um, affecting their life. And they are too embarrassed to ask. And that's exactly um, the kind of thing that is important to talk about. And people may suffer for years, and it's very unfortunate. One of the things I am curious about in terms of medication is I've heard that instead of prescribing one medication, that psychiatrists can kind of put a cocktail together. Is that right? Well, I'm not so crazy about the idea of a cocktail, but it is true. You know, the medications we have, um, they don't always work. Yeah. They don't always work the first time. And we have protocols that we use so mm-hmm. that we know what, suppose you're having an anxiety issue or depression and we give you a medicine and, and first there's the issue of can you tolerate it or not? Right. So we may have to make adjustments or changes there. And then if you do, within an expected amount of time, and usually it takes an amount of time, right. are you responding? Are you responding a bit? That's a good sign. Are you responding? Not at all. Well, in each of these cases, uh, there are different things that we would do. Sometimes we will add something. Uh, And so you may end up with what you're calling a cocktail, but there's a purpose behind it. And we do have to be careful about adding one thing after another. So, and, And I do have people 
with complicated disorders. Commonly, it's bipolar disorder. They may be on four or five different medicines. Yeah. But you know what? If they're doing well, right. then we tend to want to leave it. If you're not doing well, that's a whole different story, and we have to do something about it. You know, it's a, it's a far cry from the old days when I started out. I started out in the old days <laughs> uh, when um, this was sort of a, a something with classical psychoanalysis. If we're treating you in psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, and not doing well, whose fault is it? Yours. Blame the patient. We can't do that anymore. So if you're having a depression and I'm giving you a medicine and you're not well enough, maybe you're partly well but not well enough, Mm -hmm. then I have to do something. Right. One thing that I've heard from people is, you know, I'm having problems. um, I don't feel great. But, uh, and somebody said this to me, and I hate to use this phrase, but, you know, I'm not crazy, so I don't need to go to a therapist. They think they don't have a major recognizable, like seen on TV condition. So that, so going to a therapist is embarrassing. Going to a psychiatrist is, it, it, it admits something. But is that really the case? This probably comes also from the old days, even before my time, there weren't many psychiatrists. They didn't really know so much what to do. And so the only reason you would come to the attention of a psychiatrist is if you had a very severe disorder that really interfered with your functioning. Um, And so I think that kind of stigma or prejudice, I think it's less than because some high-profile people have come out and said, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have bipolar disorder. Uh, But it's still there, and I think it may inhibit some people from getting the help that we now have to offer. And it's a lot better than it was even, even... 10, 15 years ago, uh, we have many more options in terms of the medications. Not only that, but in terms of therapy. Right. We've really learned a lot in doing therapy. Yeah. What would you recommend for people that are new to, to the whole, you know, therapy, psychiatry, psychology? They're having a problem. They have no idea where to turn. How do they find somebody that can help them? Where do they start? That's a very good question. Well, you can start with your primary care physician because they probably work with therapists and they know people that they like, they respect, that they think are good. Uh, You can also talk to friends. Uh, Perhaps you could go online as well. But then the critical thing is to find someone where you feel the chemistry is good. And you may want to see several people. Try them out. Yeah. Shop around. I think that's a, a really important point I um, I didn't ask anyone. I was ashamed, embarrassed, and I thought I could never ask anybody about this. Even if somebody told me they were on medication or going to therapy, I would still think, "Oh, you know, how brave of them! That's great that they're doing that." But I could I could never admit that I'm even yeah. thinking about that. I had a friend who is a very, a really good friend and a great doctor, cardiologist. And I remember one time talking to him and I said, what do you think of, you know, these medications for anxiety and depression? And he said, you know, you would get medication if you had other problems and that, you know, those are, those can help. And I didn't say I'm thinking about it and I didn't do anything about it because I thought, no, that's not me. I can deal with this myself. I'm strong. 
I'm, you know, all the things that I think about myself as, as a, as a professional woman, as a mother, as a wife, I can do this myself. And only when I was able to really talk about this and actually go to therapy, did I get better? And my life got so much better. I was able to take steps to find fulfillment and purpose and productivity in a way that I couldn't when I was stuck in that middle place. The stigma is still significant, although less so. And it was in contradiction to ways you thought about yourself. Right. And that's what got in the way of you getting help. Right. Um, but we have so much to offer, and I'm glad you finally came to that. And I also want to say that these, we call them illnesses or disorders, who knows what they are? I, I, I could explain more about some of that, but they don't discriminate. Right. I, I see people that uh, are barely functional, and I see very highly functional people like yourself. <laughs> It yeah. can hit anybody, even if even psychiatrists. Right. I see psychiatrists. Right. Um, and so... I think that's a really important point. Uh, you know, many of us have something that we could um, get help for and actually be happier and live a better life if we could put that stigma aside. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast. Well, I think that's it, it's very important, and I would say that sometimes uh, the medicines can help with your symptoms, but the therapy part, which is changing those connections that you have in your brain that sustain the maladaptive ways of thinking and functioning that you might not even be aware of, we're changing brain connections, and that takes some time. Right. But you shouldn't get discouraged. And you don't have to wait until you begin to feel better. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much, for, Dr. Ballin. I know you ha your time is limited, and I really appreciate you giving uh, me the opportunity to talk to you today. Rebecca, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Hi. Thanks for listening to the show. If you liked it, please subscribe to the podcast and rate it and leave a review. See you next week on the second half.